Amen, amen. So I mentioned on Sunday, we are kicking off this new series that we called All In. And if you didn't pick up on it Sunday, when you read the story of the Great Commission, um, there's four times where they use the word all in that scripture. And that, obviously that series is uh, for Sunday, so I'm not gonna jump too much into it today. But part of that series, I think I'm a little hot in the mic, by the way. If you guys can help me out with that. Part of that series, um, the understanding of going into all the nations, is kind of what we're gonna talk about on Sunday and next Wednesday as we do our mission celebration. Now, fully transparent mission celebration is one of my favorite times of the year. It is 100% my wife's favorite time of the year. For those of you who are unaware, part of us completing the Great Commission is going out of our context, out of our comfort zone to make sure that people all over the world know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. There are still millions of people who have never even heard of the name of Jesus, who have no context, no clue, no idea who that is. And our responsibility as believers is to get that word out there, to let people know not only who Jesus is, but what he did on the cross, why he rose from the grave, and what that means to them. Now, we all can't necessarily go out and do that, but there is a partnership in missions that God has called us to. God has separated unique, specific people whose purpose in life is to go out into those mission fields and preach that word. But the Bible is clear, how can they go unless they're sent? We as the church and we as the ones who aren't called to go are called to send. When my wife and I were dating, she has such a huge heart for missions that I was very deeply earnest with her when I said, hey, you need to figure out if you're gonna be a missionary because I know what God has called me to and God has not called me to missions. God has called me to send and I, I believe I'm gonna be a sender the rest of my life should the Lord change his mind or say anything differently. But that's what I feel God's calling me to do and what I don't want is five years from now, we wake up and you go, I feel like God's called me to Bangladesh and I'm like, yo, that, that's crossing wires here, babe. And so she prayed for a month. She fasted and prayed for a month. And I was very willing to break up because I'd rather break up than one of us compromise our calling in life. And so she prayed for a month and came back to me. She goes, no, I don't feel like I'm called to go, but I do feel like we are called to send. And by the grace of God, we have spent thousands and thousands of dollars investing in other people's opportunity to know the name of Jesus Christ. My daughters have each, before they reach one year old, raised $1,000 through BGMC, which is what the children and the Assemblies of God put missions towards. Boys and girls, missions, I forget the C, anyone? Challenge, there you go. Boys and girls, mission, that's, that's all the parents in the room, you got you. Boys and girls, mission, challenge. All the children around the, the United States all use, and the Assemblies of God, use BGMC as a vehicle to give towards. So if you've seen the buddy barrel or the giant buddy barrel in the hallway, that is the method that we use to teach children about missions and so that they can support missions through that program. Teenagers do something called Speed the Light. Speed the Light is similar to BGMC, but their emphasis is on any kind of transportation vehicle necessary to get the gospel out there. So if a missionary needs a car, if they need a camel, if they need a boat, if they need a bicycle, whatever they need, if they need sound equipment, whatever they need to get that message there, Speed the Light provides. As a matter of fact, one of the missionaries that we support is, is renowned for being the only missionary, or at least the first missionary, to eat his Speed the Light vehicle. 
Uh, he had a camel and he was in a, in a very remote village and there was a famine. So he killed the camel and fed the village. So he's like, I'm the only person to eat his Speed the Light vehicle. And I'm like, that's awesome. I love it. So, and our teenagers over the last three or four years have raised over 60 grand for Speed the Light. Our children over the last three years have raised over 10 grand a year. And uh, you'll hear more about this on Sunday because on Sunday, the missionary that's going to come and share with us isn't really a missionary per se, but he is the national director for Speed the Light and BGMC. So under his leadership, last year alone, I know the Speed the Light raised nationally over $18 million for missions. Like, awesome. So he's going to come and he's going to help, you know, just remind us, give us vision. And I apologize in advance because Eric Hoffman is a very hard man to say no to about anything. And that's how we got $18 million raised in missions through Speed the Light alone. And BGMC is coming alongside there. Part of why I'm saying all that is in December, Pastor Izzy and I went to a missions convention and uh, God spoke to us and uh, I spoke with Pastor Evelyn in the same vein. And so our children and our youth are doing the same goal for Speed the Light and for BGMC. And I'll touch base a little bit more on that on Sunday, but I want to give you a heads up. Our, our children are trying to raise $10,000. Our youth are trying to raise $25,000 this year alone to this project. And again, come Sunday so you can hear all about what they're raising for. That being said, if that's what our children do and that's what our teenagers do, what do we as adults do when it comes to missions in the Assemblies of God? By the way, the Assemblies of God is one of the largest missional sending organizations in the world. All right? We have had missions at the heartbeat of our fellowship since the day it began. And Belmont is no exception. As long as I'm here and as long as you're the Lord Terry, missions will be at the heartbeat of what we do. Because here's the reality, and this is what I love about missions. Missions reminds you that as believers, we are called to build the kingdom of God, not the castle of Belmont. Okay? What good is it that we build this church and we forget the rest of the world? God has called us to build the kingdom. And so what does that mean? That means we send kingdom builders all across this world to help fulfill the goal and the mission that God has given us as a church. The method that we use for adults within the assemblies of God is something called faith promises. That's the envelope we tried to hand out just now. Can you do me a favor? Just wave your faith promise at me if you got that envelope. Just wave it. I want to make sure everybody got it. Dada, shame on you. <laughs> and you want to be a missionary. <laughs> Okay, thank you. If you didn't get it, would you raise your hand so our ushers can get you one of them? You don't have to do anything with that. I'm not conning you into anything. You just take it with you. But I do think everybody should have it. So if you don't have one, raise your hand because I want to explain what this is. I never want to just give you something and then you got to figure it out on your own. Faith promises is what adults do within the Assemblies of God to support our missionaries who have given up everything to go to a new land, to go to a new language, to go to a new area, to do what God has called them to do. So if Speed the Light is for vehicles and BGMC is for curriculum and other miscellaneous things, what does Speed the Light do? I'm sorry, what does uh, Faith Promise do? Faith Promise is the actual support that the missionary needs to live in that country, to pay their bills, to buy groceries, to not have to come back home because they are being supported by people like us. Some of our missionaries can't work in the countries that they're in. Some of our missionaries are in there undercover. They're, they're not allowed to be a missionary in that land because it's illegal to prostitute. I can never say that word correctly. Prostatize. There you go. Prostatize. Either one, they're not allowed to do. Either one, they're not allowed to do. Okay. 
So, so part of it, because they can't do some of the things that we would normally do here, we as the church support 100% that opportunity for them to go do so. How does faith promise work? I'll tell you. We're going to do this on Sunday, and I want to do this tonight as well. You pray, and you ask the Lord what you are called to give. That might be $5. That might be $500. It's a commitment between you and the Lord. We don't check. We don't follow up. We don't go to you and say, Lewis, you know, a couple weeks ago, you said you was going to get $30. Where are my $30? All right? I'm not going to send Izzy to go break knuckles or nothing like that. Okay? That's just not how it works. Here's the reality. You pray, and you say, God, what do you want me to commit to on a monthly basis? And again, you don't got to, you know, some of you are like, well, I can't give $1,000. Well, what can you give? And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But it's about a faith promise. In faith, I am believing that I'll be able to commit to the promise that I have before you, Lord. And here's the reality. Because no one else checks, it's between you and the Lord. This is something sacred between you and the Lord. And here's what I've learned in all my years of doing ministry and all my years of being a believer. God likes to test your faith with your giving because the pocketbook is the last place to surrender in a believer's life. I'll surrender my time. I'll surrender my children. You have them, God. I don't even like them. Like, we surrender all these things. But when God says, no, I want your money, suddenly we're like, ah, sorry, God. As if it was our money. As if God's not the one who provided everything. So I want to talk to you a little bit about this. As a matter of fact, I was reading this story that, about a husband they were older in age and, uh, you know, making all their plans. And he sat his wife down and he said, listen, I need to tell you, um, you're not getting an inheritance and neither are these kids. She goes, I want to be buried with my money. And she goes, are you serious? Like, yes, dead serious. Sure enough, when he died, she buried him with his money. Only it was a check. <laughs> so my man couldn't cash it, right? This is the idea that we have oftentimes. That we think we're going to be able to be buried with the things that we've accumulated on this earth. Like, we can actually take it with us, all right? That's just being cheap. That's just being negligent. Jesus taught more about money than he taught about anything else in the Bible, including love, because he understood that sometimes you love more more than you even love me. It's not that Jesus needs your money. Let's get that straight, right? God doesn't need your money. He, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> he paves his roads with gold. That's how useless money is to him. He doesn't need your money. It's more that he needs your heart. And if money's got your heart, then he doesn't. And that's the lesson that God often tries to emulate in this process of faith giving. Here's the reality, Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Cannot serve both God and money. When you learn to let go of the thing that's got a hold of you, there is a freedom in that. All right? And this is a lesson that God has taught me personally over and over again. I, I laugh about it with my wife. We've tried and failed on a regular basis to outgive God. God continually provides so that we can continually give. And tonight I want to point out a few very important principles when it comes to giving. One of those is this. Jesus notices your lack of giving. And Jesus pays attention to what you give and what you don't give. Now, I don't want to sound like, you know, the elf on the shelf is watching you. But listen, Matthew chapter 12, verse 41 through 44. Jesus sat down near the collection uh, box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. 
So that would be like if we had, back in the day and, and this day, they would have the offering up at the platform and you would then come up and drop your offering. So Jesus is just sitting there watching everybody put into the offering. Kind of awkward, but he's doing it. So Jesus is sitting there and he's watching and the Bible says that many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Another translation says uh, two mites. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. The story is often referred to as the widow and two small mites. A mite is, is just the currency that they had in Jerusalem at this time. While I was in Jerusalem, we went to an antique shop and we were looking at you know, all different kind of actual things from that time period. And the antique owner brought out a mite so we can get kind of a reference point of just how small a mite is. You got that picture? This mite is in the palm of my hand. Two of those. That's what she gave. Two small mites. You know how nervous I was holding that thing? Because we had to pass it around. They're like, just pass it around. I was like, I don't want to pass it around. Like, Because it was so small. I felt like I would break it if I closed my hand. I felt like I would drop it and we'd just lose it to the abyss. It was just tiny. And it was just that little itty bitty thing is what this widow gave. And Jesus looks at it and says, she gave more than anybody else who's given today. I want to talk to you about giving and the fact that Jesus notices it. There's a few things he notices when it comes to giving. Number one, Jesus notices who's giving. The Bible says that Jesus was watching the crowd. He paid attention. He's looking. We don't keep track here of individuals giving as far as like me looking at it personally. There's record of it, obviously, for your taxes and all that other stuff. But it's not like I'm looking there and going, let's see what he's given this week. <laughs> and he wants me to pray for him. Like, that's just not how we operate, all right? <laughs> So because there's no checks and balances, I should say, on that, it's easy to just ignore it. It's easy to let that collection plate pass by or forget to give online or all these other things that we come up with. But here, you need to remember, the Bible tells us that God is the one who watches. God is the one who pays attention. You know why I don't need to pay attention? Because he's paying attention. God notices who's giving and who isn't. Matthew chapter 6, verse 4 says this, Give your gifts in private, and your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Listen, especially now with giving online, I, I'm not, I can't pay attention. I'm not here looking at the collection plate getting passed around and going, there's a lot of jingle jangle going in the bucket today. I knew one time there was a, I didn't know the pastor, but a pastor friend told me about this church. They had a mesh wire offering baskets so that coins would fall through the bottom. And it was like, we only collect dollar bills around here. And I'm like, that's a little much, you know, that's a, because, hey, a lot of pennies can add up. But here's the reality of it. It doesn't matter if I watch it, if the, the leadership council watches, if anybody else in the room is watching, that doesn't matter. Because some of us, we like the people to watch. Some of you will give me your offering personally so that I see how much you gave. Hadn't happened yet, thank God, and maybe you, you don't do that. But I've seen it happen with a lot of pastors. Oh, you can give that in the place. No, no, I, I, you, you take it, Pastor. I, was like, I don't care what you gave. It's really irrelevant to me because that's something between you and God. And people will look, oh, well, my offering's personal. Yeah, but it's also personally offensive to God that you refuse to do it. 
that you refuse to give the very thing that he's given you. Even when it comes to like tithe, we have this mindset, like why do I gotta give God 10% of my money instead of understanding, you mean why do you get to keep 90% of what God's given you? I give you 90 reasons. (laughs) Like this, this is the, the shifting in the mindset. This is the thing that we have to often go with. This is why I love missions. This is why even, uh, we, we didn't always do missions in youth ministry when I was a youth pastor, at least half the time, because I didn't grow up doing missions. When I was in the youth ministry, we never raised any money for missions. I remember they would pass around the speed the light offering and they were just like, I just throw it away. We're not gonna do that. And I was like, okay, it's just not what we do. And then it dawned on me one day, I was like, why am I not challenging the next generation to give? Why am I not asking them to trust in the Lord and put their faith in God and see what God will do? And when I started to do that, I was blown away by what students started to do. And so now that I'm in this position, I have the same mindset. Well, well, pastor, like, you know, I already have trouble making our our bills match and and paying for rent and getting my kids stuff. and, And I get that. But here's the second thing you gotta understand when it comes to giving, that it's not what you give. Right? It's not what you give. The understanding is this, like, people just got to give what God has called them to give. Malachi chapter 3 talks about this when it comes to the tithe, verse 8 through 10. It says, should people cheat God? Yet you cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You've cheated me from tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes in the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, this is, the only, uh, uh, this is the only mandate with a promise and a curse attached to it. If you do, I will open the windows of heaven for you and I will pour out such a great blessing that you will not have enough room in it. Try it. Put me to the test. How do I cheat you, God? You don't do what I've asked you to do in the way that I've asked you to do it. How long have I cheated you? How long have we struggled with it? How long have God put up with us? Again, you have to understand that God doesn't need your money, but what you give or don't give matters. And how you approach that matters even more. And I love that the scriptures say, this is what's due to me. It's not what you choose to do. It's not like whether you feel like God's worthy of it or not. And I've used this illustration in the past. Whatever your boss has to pay you, he has to pay you. If he goes, I just don't feel like paying you your full salary this week, that's not a conversation you're willing to have. You're not gonna be like, well, I get it, man. (laughs) My thing is, I don't care about your personal problems, boss. Pay me what you owe me because that's what was arranged. That's what is due. And in the same way, we give, not out of begrudgingness, but because God has given so much to us that this is what's due to him. I remember one time, Years ago, I was like in my early 20s and I had a buddy of mine, he had a young family and uh, they were having some trouble paying the rent that year and I, I gave him some money and then later on he had some trouble. He needed some new glasses or something so I gave him some money and I think I had given him about $300 and, uh, and I was waiting like when he was gonna pay me back and you know, the, the most annoying thing when somebody owes you money is watching them buy something because you're like, that's a, that's a nice new thing you got there. <laughs> You know, you didn't have money for glasses, but you got money for that video game, or you got money for that new toy, you got money for that. So I would see that happen, and at one point I'm like, hey, bro, um, you owe me money, right? (laughs) He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, you owe me like $300. Again, in my 20s, that's a lot of money. You owe me like $300. He said, 
I thought you said don't worry about it. I meant like in the moment. I didn't mean ever. <laughs> I didn't mean don't ever pay me back. Oh, you know what happened? I never borrowed that guy any money again. <laughs> I just was like, dude, it's not even worth it. You owe me something, then you start living your life like you don't have it. So a lot of times that happens with tithes. That happens with offering. Oh, we can't afford to do it. Yeah, man, but you can afford the latte. You can afford the cable. You can afford the extra channels. You can afford going out to eat. Even though none of us can, we all do it. Seems like you can afford a lot of things that you want to afford, but you can't afford to give the person that you owe what you owe. And again, I'm not saying this to try to shake money out of you because a lot of people have that mindset, well, all churches want is your money. No, no, no. What does the scripture say? If you do it, I'll open the windows of heaven for you and I will pour out a blessing so great that you will not have enough room to take it in. I'm telling you this because you might be getting in the way of your own blessings because you're unwilling to trust God and give. Third thing is this, not only is it what you give, but it's how you give. Do you give out of abundance or do you give out of sacrifice? Because giving out of abundance is not a big deal. It's not that hard. Anyone can give when they have so much to spare. But are you willing to give when it actually might cost you something? Sacrificial giving is what God is looking for. Abundance giving is easy. If you're a millionaire and you give somebody $500, that's a drop in the bucket. That's not a big deal at all. I'm not even a thousandaire. Like, I don't crack anything further than that. And so $500 to me is different, right? That's a lot more money. So the question is, when you give, what does it cost you? And let me be clear on this. It's not just the, the financial cost, but the sacrifice. Giving becomes more impactful when it costs you something. This is why even like you'll, you'll find out sometimes, if you ever want to know why we might charge for something at church versus why we might not charge for something, a lot of times what we've learned over the years, let's say there's like a four-week class that we want you to sign up for, and we say, hey, it's 20 bucks for the workbook or for the Bible study or whatever. Well, how come the church is charging, da 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 You know why? Because if we don't charge you, you don't come. That's right. If it's free, people pass it up. My daughter enrolled in soccer over down the park that way. It was like $150 for like a six-week thing. And my wife said, we should do it. I was like, okay, we should do it. And she was like two at the time. Half the time, she didn't want to do anything the instructors were telling us. She would just sit there and cry. And I'm like, you're embarrassing me. And then, and then you as the parent have to do everything with them. So I paid them $150 for me to run around a parachute and me to kick the ball. I'm like, I could do this at home. I don't know why I paid you. To, but here's the reality. I went to all of them. Why? She said, I don't want to go. I paid $150 for this thing. You better believe we're going. <laughs> you think I am a thousandaire? Like, we're going to get there and we're going to do the dumb thing because we paid for it. And the reality is you don't value what you don't put value in. And so here's the thing. You know why missions may not matter to you? Because you never invested in missions. doesn't bother you. You don't care whether they go, they don't go, stay, don't stay, get saved, don't get saved, whatever. But when you start sacrificially giving towards somebody who's going out there to do the work, hey, guess what? You want to hear about the testimonies. I want to know what God's doing. I'm invested financially, not just prayerfully, although both of them are equal in the importance of what the missionary needs, but I am also putting skin in the game. So I want to hear about these things. So those of you who love Sunday, it's probably because you've given. Those of you who plan to skip because the lead pastor is not speaking, it's probably because you never have. Giving is more important because it costs you something. Maybe your giving needs to be sacrificial because here's the thing I hear a lot of times, I can't afford to. I'm not asking you to afford it, I'm asking you to sacrifice. Yeah. What does that mean? Maybe you skip buying the daily coffee for a month. 
Oh, Pastor, you know, it'd be really hard. You can make coffee at home very cheaply. <laughs> I'm sorry, you can. It's water and beans. You can do it. I will teach you. <laughs> Maybe you sacrifice going out to eat for a month or two. Hey, we save a lot of money if we didn't order pizza. And order, I know it's easier. I, I just ordered Chinese food and sent it to the house right now because I, I, I know it's easier. I know it. But if you're telling me, hey, I want to do this sacrificially, Maybe you sacrifice comfort. Hey, we're going to give up cable for the summer. You're not even at home watching it anyways. We're going to cancel the cable. And what we would have paid for the cable bill, we're going to give it to missions. Do you need cable to live? No, you don't. It's not a big deal. Hey, we're going to sell that car that I always say we're going to fix, but I'm never fixing. It's just sitting in the garage for the last 15 years. And we're only going to get $500 of it because nobody thinks it works. That's $500 that you give sacrificially. It really isn't the amount. Two mites was nowhere near what all the rich people were giving. But the most important sacrifices are the ones that cost you something. The ones that you paid out of your pocket and you sacrificed to say, here, Lord, I lay this at your feet. Second Samuel chapter 24, verse 24. But the king replied, no, I insist on buying it for I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. So David paid him 50 pieces of silver for the threshing floor and the oxen. So he was going to give it to him for free, the sacrifice. He says, what do I look like giving a sacrifice that I didn't pay for? Because if I didn't pay for it, then it's not a sacrifice. So this is why even within our teenagers and Pastor Izzy and I have had this conversation, I never did like this giant event that I put all the work in and they only showed up and then got all the credit for because then they didn't sacrifice. They watched us sacrifice. What we wanted them to do was put work together. So like at our annual business meeting, both Speed the Light and BGMC have worked really hard to put together a little fair afterward. And I hope all of us go. Because if all you buy is a little $2 sticker, you've invested in the sacrifice that that kid made to make yep. that sticker. Yep. Really doesn't matter what we buy from them. I could care less half the time. I'm like, you know what? Uh, here, take the money. Do you want the cupcake? Mm, that looks a little sus, but take the money. <laughs> take the money. <laughs> no offense if you're making cupcakes, guys, but, but the reality is I'm, I'm planting a seed in this kid and it costs me something, but it costs them something to do their job and I want them to know the sacrifice is worth it. I will not offer something to the Lord that I haven't paid for. I remember even when I was a kid, all the, we were young, all the guys in the neighborhood chipped in and they bought me a gold chain for my birthday. And it wasn't the fanciest or the thickest or the greatest. That thing meant the world to me because those guys all put money into it. And they gave it to me. And I just remember feeling like a million bucks because there was sacrifice behind that. Listen, parents, you get it. You know how many ugly things your kids have given you? Useless gifts. But then, you know, they put their little allowance towards it. They put their little money on it. They went to the Scholastic Book Fair and got you that eraser. That's the best eraser you've ever had in your life. Why? Because my kids sacrificed for me. They could have bought themselves something, but they bought this for me. That's the heart of the Father, that you would put him and his kingdom ahead of your personal agenda. And they didn't give, I'm sorry, and they did give because they loved me, my friends, I say, and the people give because they love God, which is the other thing. Are you giving out of love or out of obligation? Are you giving because I pressured you into it and I made you feel bad that our teenagers are giving more than you? 
Or are you doing it because there's such a deep-seated love for God that I didn't have to convince you you were already in? Remember, your money to God is worthless. But how you give to God is what he's invested in. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, you must each decide in your own heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Listen, I'm not going to get up here and preach and say, you know, the reason your marriage is falling apart is because you haven't given your tithe. Man, it could be possible, but I'm not going to sit here and strong arm you. The reality is you decide. This is why whenever somebody gives, I'm like, listen, don't give a number I've given you. You pray. And if, listen, if you pray earnestly and then you say, well, Lord told me to give nothing. Okay, that's, if that's what God told you, I really hope you hear God. Go for it. But if you pray and the Lord gives you a number, and you're like, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do that. Now you need faith in me to accomplish what I've asked you to do. And you're going to grow more from what you've given than anything else because now you have to trust God. God might break some bad habits. God might say, hey, listen, hey, you're going to give me this, but this is how we're going to do it. You're going to start sacrificing this thing that I've already told you you need to stop doing. I don't know how I'm going to break my cigarette habit. You're going to take all the money you were going to use for cigarettes and give it to the Lord. But cigarettes are expensive. I know, that's two birds, one stone here, homie. <laughs> the Bible tells that God was overwhelmed by the widow's giving because he saw her heart in doing it. If you give a lot of money, but your heart's not in it, then it doesn't matter. Keep your money. We don't, again, we don't need it. It's not, it's not in that sense. This is you and your response to the Lord. And when your heart is in it, you glorify God. Pastor Jason, if you can help me out. I'll tell you one more story I read last night and uh, I, I was like, babe, you got to hear this. I'll show you this picture of this man named Dale Schroeder. Dale Schroeder, uh, I think if we got that, was a simple, humble man from Iowa, Midwest, baby. Schroeder worked as a carpenter at the same company for 67 years. He grew up poor, had no wife or children of his own. His friend, Steve Nielsen, described Schroeder as a blue-collar, lunch-pail kind of guy. Went to work every day, worked really hard, was frugal, like a lot of Iowans, he said. He owned two pairs of jeans, one for work, one for church. Schroeder saved up a fortune over the years. He had no living descendants, and so before he died, he went to his lawyer with a plan for his money. He said... I never got the opportunity to go to college. So I'd like to help kids go to college. Not only did Schroeder have enough money to send a few kids to college, he had enough saved to send dozens. Finally, Nielsen said, I was curious and said, how much are we talking about, Dale? He said, oh, just shy of three million. I nearly fell out of my chair, Nielsen remembered. Schroeder ended up paying for 33 strangers' college tuition. The group was dubbed Dale's Kids. They got together earlier, uh, when I read this article earlier in the month, to honor the man who had changed their lives. They are now doctors, teachers, therapists, and friends. There's just one thing Schroeder asked in return. All we ask is that you pay it forward. You can't pay it back because Dale is gone, but you can remember him and you can emulate him. 
when we give in faith promises and our tithes and our offerings, we're not paying God back for all that he's done. That is an impossibility. You can never repay what the Lord has done for you. With just salvation alone, you were never ever to pay for it in the beginning. That's why he had to die on the cross and resurrect to pay your debt. So we can never repay God for the miraculous things he's done, for the very prayers that we prayed at this altar and saw him answer again and again and again. We can't repay that gratitude that we feel to the Lord, but we can pay it forward to those he loves. We can't provide a way for those who yet have to experience his love and grace to experience his love and grace. We can pay it forward so that others can understand and experience the saving grace of Jesus Christ. So that every moment you give, you give towards something greater than yourself. And what I love about missions is you won't always understand the impact this side of heaven. One day, you'll be walking through heaven and you'll pass by somebody who's only there because you planted a seed. You'll pass by somebody whose family as a whole is there because one day you decided to give up lattes for two months and plant a seed. And I'll tell you this, of the people that I've been able to do this with and minister with, I've never seen anybody regret being generous when it comes to their finances in the Lord. I think, who was I talking Valerie, I was talking to you, right? She don't make much. I've seen her, <laughs> her mission statement. But how much did you give this year so far? For missions? 6,000? Probably like half of what she's made. Young adult. But you know when she started doing that? 14, 15? When she designed sweaters as a youth and had her dad drive it over the border and from Guatemala and sold them. I didn't even know she could talk, let alone raise money for missions. But now she's got such a heart that she's been on my tail about missions and Speed the Lion and she coordinates all those things. We're planting seeds, not just in what God is doing across the ocean, but what God will do here. I love that the youth and the children are getting it, but they will emulate what we demonstrate. And I know it sounds harsh, but I, here's what I love most about the DNA of our church. And our treasurer can attest to it. We're a generous giving church. Always have been by the grace of God, always will be. As a whole, my challenge now to you is as an individual. So I'm gonna ask you to stand. If you're new here, by the way, please don't feel this obligation. Like if you're visiting or if you're just checking it out, this is, this is a family situation, it's family business. If you wanna give, great, but I wanna talk to the family. I wanna ask you to hold that envelope in your hand, that faith promise. We're just gonna take about two minutes to three minutes. And I want you to ask the Lord. Lord, what's my commitment? What are you asking of me on a month? Now, you don't have to necessarily write it all down. You can keep praying if you feel like God hasn't fully spoken. We'd like to have these turned in within the next couple of weeks, Sunday and forward. And I'm not gonna look. This is something that when we collect the offering, you can drop it in the offering if you filled it out. And if not, you can fill it out later and turn it in later. We're not gonna look and we're not gonna follow up. But my challenge to you is, would you allow the Lord to speak and would you have enough faith like Peter did to get out of the boat and trust that God will provide what he's telling you he's gonna provide? And I promise you this, if you do that, 
you will experience something that you may have never ever experienced in your life. The generosity and the fulfillment of what God can do through his people who are fully surrendered to him. So take a moment now, just please pray right where you're at. Be earnest, talk to the Lord. God, what are you asking? What do you want this year?